Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, friends, I am so, so excited to be sitting here today on my living room couch with my dog at my feet with today's guest who drove all the way (laughs) to be here with me today to have some incredible conversation. Please introduce yourself. I am Lise Wilcox, and it is a pleasure to be here. Lise, okay, I'm so glad that you say your name for me because, like, I'm one of those people that when I read words, I say it like it is. Like, you know how, like, Kansas, okay, Kansas and states, right? And then there's Arkansas, like (laughs) A-R-K-A-N-S-A-S. Let's remind ourselves Kansas is spelled K-A-N-S-A-S. And then they throw A-R in front of it and becomes Arkansas. I'm like, I said R-Kansas for a ridiculous ridiculous amount of time oh, of funny. my life there are so many words I do that with so I was like I am not gonna say your name on this podcast <laughs> I wasn't even gonna ask you first and I was like I will mess it up because once you have somebody's Instagram handle yes. in your head like oh, that's how it is because your name is spelled l-e-i-s-s-e yeah, it's right? a Dutch name so it's just a little oh, more complicated yeah, so this is my life this is like 99% of my introductions so tell me how do you say your name <laughs> it's very yeah, like how do you say your name that is like yeah that is like such a thing okay so I'm so glad that you came this way to come and talk with me um we met on an airplane I know I I was joking on my Instagram this morning that we bonded over a love of our of um uh, star is born but I was yeah I saw you watching it and I was such a creep and I was like <laughs> but I, I got up to go to the bathroom at like the most poignant part of the movie and you were slow you were like this isn't the first time you've seen that right I was like, <laughs> you know what's about to happen well to be honest on the way down to Austin, because um, I was there for the Mom 2 conference, I was on the way down to Austin, and the girl beside me, who I was traveling with, Tina, mm-hmm. um, she was watching Stars Born for the first time, and I was like, I kept like looking and looking and looking, being like, oh gosh, I need to like brace myself yes. to hold her. Yes. Like, this is going to be bad. So when I saw you watching it, I was like, oh, n- oh no, <laughs> here we go. Like, we're, we, yeah. So it was like a moment we ended up talking. You were like, I fell in love with you. Um, because I'm one of those people on an airplane that if there's a stranger sitting beside me, like I want to be their friend. Like I yes. want, it's like such an opportunity yes. and you were chatting up a storm with the person beside <laughs> you. And I was like, you're my people. <laughs> Thank you. 
Like it's the best, <laughs> it's the best experience. But yes, we met on an airplane and I've been following you ever since. Um, you just exude a stupid amount of positivity. Thank you very much. And um, getting to know you and I've kind of, I told you this already, but I'll tell everyone else. I purposely did not dive too deep into mm -hmm. your story because I wanted you to tell mm -hmm. it. I don't want to retell it. I want you to tell it um, because I have even just, even just in the minor details that I know mm -hmm. has just been so incredible to kind of like witness and hear and watch. I mean, it's funny when I put you in one of my Friday favorite follows. Mm -hmm. um, so many people responded to me like, oh my gosh, I love her. Oh, like she's so, nice. so great. So I was like, y you're just one of those people that I think you're just addicting at the second that you <laughs> kind of get there. So anyways, all of that to say, tell us your story. Thank you so much. Or, like I know I'm going to like, don't condense your life like all into like 30 <laughs> seconds, but like give us, give us like the goods. All right. I'm going to catch you up on the last 38 years. Thank you. 38. Wow. You look so much younger. I thought you were I, like 28. Thank you. thank you. I tell my oh. kids that that's my age and they're like, no, you need to come to grips with it. But no, I'm going to still cap it at 27, 28. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, my yeah, internal, that's my internal age is yeah, 28. Yeah, I stopped yeah. aging at that point. Yeah, totally. And, you look and good too. the lady at the LCBO likes to ID me just to remind <laughs> me that I'm 28. Okay. Quick, funny story just about that. Yeah, I stopped I drinking. It. I stopped drinking last year completely, but yeah. I was having uh, girlfriends over one night and I was buying them champagne pain and I was in line at the LCBO and didn't have any ID with me and the lady was oh, like no. I need I need your ID and I was like oh my god I'm here buying liquor for my friends <laughs> I don't and have you don't ID. have ID it was so funny and so do you know how I I could have gone to the car yes but I like to next level things. So I was like, I started giving her 90s trivia that only somebody who was in oh their my 30s gosh, would know. So it was so, good. it was like my first concert was Tiffany. She's like, all right, you can buy the booze. And so that it was really funny. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, because they ID here up to 25, right? Oh, yeah. But in the States, it's 30. So when you yeah. get ID'd here, it's like the biggest, like I had one time she looked at the ID and then she looked at me and she was like, girl, good on you. And I was like, plus I will come here every day for for this like thank you thank you anyways anyway, so I will I will start by introducing myself as a yeah, professional please. human and brand therapist I know I yeah. saw that brand therapist I'm so excited for you to say what that is so I have you know over the years I've been like what what do I do like what do I actually do for a living because that's such a good anchor point for people to start from right yeah and I realized that I am a professional human that I feel like it's my job to take all of the adversity and all the experiences that I've had and really go through this process that I call emotional alchemy and take something that's been dark and scary or you know unpleasant or awful and transmute it into something really beautiful and really purposeful and I'm really good oh at my doing God. it my mouth is like on the floor right now I'm like looking at you and I'm like, oh my God, just don't stop saying words. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. That was the, uh, people ask me what I do and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. Professional human. Yes, yes. I'm taking that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, everything, you know, as we were saying kind of pre-show, everything that has been a part of my life has really informed my experience to where it, it to where I am now. Yeah. And, um, what I have done with that is turned it into a coaching practice. So I really guide women through the process, really through those transitions, right? Yeah. Of knowing how they have felt and how they want to feel. And I, I'm like a missing piece. I'm the one who helps them get, you know, clarity in what they want, confidence in who they are, and the courage to stay true to both of those things. That is like my passion. Um, so the story of how I got to this place is that, you know, I had 
a pretty tumultuous childhood with lots of toxic messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married really young and had was how really, young were you? How young was I? As nineteen, so I that's always, young. Yeah. Okay, so then I wasn't young. <laughs> oh, okay. Comparatively, you were, I was you were eighteen, right? No, no, I okay. was twenty-seven. Okay, we, that's we met still when young. I was twenty. Yeah, yeah. And we had kids right away. I had three okay. kids in two years, including a set of twins. Wow! Ouch. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a lot. I said ouch because I just immediately <laughs> went there, but that's yeah. Okay. So you know that happened really young. By the time, yeah, I think that happened before I was thirty-two, and. Um, that kind of fast forwarded. I started my career as a Montessori educator. I had oh, cool. all this information on child psychology and child development. I decided to use that to be a stay at home mom, which made like a lot of sense for us at the time. For sure. And a couple years later, I had this moment of clarity where I felt like I woke up from being asleep in my own life. And I, I had this epiphany. You know, we had left Toronto as a family mm-hmm. and moved to this small town on Lake Ontario. <clears throat> and I remember we were in, we lived in a seven bedroom century home. You know, we renovated, it was our second house together. We renovated it as well. And I was looking at my like 60 square feet of granite or marble rather, this beautiful Ikea kitchen we had built, everything, exposed brick, like everything was so oh, beautiful. It's a dream. You know, my three precious little girls are beside me and I remember thinking this isn't enough and then Uh, having that other little voice come in being like oh my god like if this isn't enough for me the hell is wrong with me and then I don't know if this happens to you but I get these like layers of intuitive voices let's call them right thank you for saying that because I feel like I'm the only one I every woman all the time I'm like I am yeah it's like such a thing like once you tap into an awareness of your thoughts and the layers and the processes of it like I think people often don't realize like how much I need to numb out because I can go I can go so deep it's like my brain runs like that if the leaves are falling a certain way I go 10 layers deep of how much I appreciate life so it's and I think it's that intense. is actually everybody's experience, but we are programmed from so early on uh, to be conditioned to have that not be our experience. We are really totally. programmed to trust somebody else oh, above ourselves, it. right? Oh, for sure. So I'm having these like layers of voices and the, the deepest, darkest, most honest voice was like, this isn't enough for you because you are not enough for you. And suddenly it was, I still get shivers. Uh. And suddenly it was like, oh no. I know I need to make a massive life change and I know what that life change is. I know I have to leave my marriage and I'm not happy about it. So divorce for me was that catalyst of, you know, I call it that that moment of being woke, like that waking yeah. up, knowing that I had to do more. Um, Okay, so let's fast forward another. We are really going through this. It's going to be We're, my life story. I'll, come, I'll come back to some of this. But, yeah. um, okay, keep going. So then fast forward, we get divorced. It was really, it was, it's a traumatic experience, it's as you traumatic. know. It's traumatic. And um, I really reinvented. I had been a stay-at-home mom. I, I invented a career for myself overnight. I started this mini um, creative agency with a, with a girlfriend. We didn't, it was... It was in the days when Instagram like wasn't really popular yet, right? And we knew it was going to be, yeah. And so we took on clients um, who were female entrepreneurs or entre- entrepreneurial women who knew they had a business idea, and we were just going to hijack their Instagram account, and we were going to run it for them and do all their photography and all their copy, um, and we were really busy. But together we had six kids under six, and Ooh, yeah. um, I had a ton of self-worth issues so I was like well we can't charge anybody any money because then like who are we to charge prices so we didn't make enough money but uh, I think 99 times out of 100 
whenever we met with one of those clients, they would talk to my partner about, you know, their sales and marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, and they would talk to me about like, listen, my husband thinks this is just a hobby and I need to prove to him that this is the one, this is the one that makes it big. Or my mom said growing up, I was never creative and I know I want to be an artist. Like, how do I do this? So very naturally I would start coaching them through this process of like, okay, where does that messaging come from? And is it something that you truly believe in or is it something you've been taught to? And how can we look at this from a different perspective? I was 100% coaching them without having the language or the awareness to even know that I was coaching them. It makes so much sense that you even say that because somebody said something at one point just about like influencers and they're like, people forget that women have always had this innate ability to profit off of like unconventional things. Like we can make a job out of anything. So I think sometimes it's very hard for people to identify their hobby becoming their passion. And like I was listening to this woman speak this week and she was saying like, have three hobbies in life. One that keeps you fit, one that makes you money and God help me. I don't remember the third, but this, it really hit me on those first two. Cause I was like, yeah, like we shouldn't be working out and exercising because we like hate everything. We should yeah. be doing something that we love, like whether it's hiking or jogging or yeah. whatever. And same with our job. If you can make your job, your life, yes. you will, you will passionately pursue it and it will never feel like work. That's and right. sometimes you feel so apologetic about that because you're like, yeah, like that, that feeling of like worthlessness, like Mm -hmm. I've made worth in something that is technically a hobby, but now I've made it into something more and I'm offering something and it has worth and it has value, but we still have this apologetic mentality. Well, and the psychology behind that is that it really challenges people and it really threatens people. Right. Um, I think, I think it was Gandhi who I'm going to paraphrase this very loosely. I do it all the time. Just go for Um, it. You know, first, um, first they dismiss you, then Mm -hmm. they're afraid, and then Mm -hmm. they accept and celebrate you. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're going through that process, especially, especially when you're a kind of a self-created woman and you're experiencing degrees of success that are like gathering steam as you have done and as you have been. um, Still have imposter syndrome. That, yeah, we could talk about that so much, right? (laughs) But I think there's so much, um, perceived rejection because suddenly you're holding up a mirror this mirror image is so powerful because you're holding up a mirror to other people's lives so it's not about you it's about how they are they're like well okay I'm in a job that I hate I'm in a relationship that I hate I'm in a body that I cannot dare dare to accept and so when you're like well I actually love my relationship or I love being on my own I I really am passionate about the work that I'm doing or I'm really really comfortable in, in my own skin it's like who the hell do you think you are? Because yeah. it's such an affront to so many people's other uh, other people's insecurities. Oh, for sure. And their profits. Yeah. 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 That's the other part too. Okay. So that is sounding like such a cool job. So that's what you do now. Exactly. So I was going to say, fast forward some more. I stepped away from that for a little while because, yeah. you know, we were in the thick of divorce and I, I went to work for this ad agents. I was going to say like, girls yeah. got to eat. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like what, you still had another job you were doing this. Well, almost. no, we did that full time. And then okay. I had this opportunity to work for an advertising agency consultancy, which Ooh. means that we went in, he was a total scam artist. As it oh, turns okay. out. I got mind. super played, but it, it was really amazing fun. experience. Yeah. It was fun. And it was a, an amazing experience. Unfortunately, he was a megalomaniac, but Thanks, universe. That was an amazing life lesson to learn. Uh, and it also, like, being in that experience, I went from being the stay-at-home mom in small town Ontario to him being too drunk or too hungover to get to meetings. So then I would be at these, ad- and I'm talking, like, hello, advertising agencies, like, oh, global agencies. Oh, my gosh. I would be sent in. He'd be like, just handle it. Like, just, you're meeting with the CEO and the CFO this morning. And I was like... 
I'm going to throw up. I can't do this. Who am I? They're going to yeah, find out. I had yeah. all kinds of imposter syndrome. And it was like, once I find out who I really am, they're never going to believe me. And I remember sitting there so, so poignantly sitting there in this meeting with the CFO and the CEO of this global ad agency in, in downtown Toronto. And they looked at me. We were talking um, strategy yeah. for this major, major retail client they were pitching. And they looked at me. They're like, wow, Lise, that's a really good idea. And I was like, holy shit, I did it. I think I got rid of imposter <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> like, I think I'm actually okay. I'm doing the thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So That's incredible. I came through that and that it ended up being way too stressful. You know, I had my kids most of the time and I was like yeah. schlepping myself downtown Toronto and it, it wasn't worth it. So I ended up running some social media freelance clients and eventually that I kept turning itself into um, more one-on-one coaching clients, speaking opportunities, writing projects, guest writing. So that's oh, that's so cool. I love that you do that. And like, I think that's what I like about you is there's, you have such a way of pointedly saying some like really profound things, but also in a positive way, because that's kind of what I'm drawn to. Like we can make impact in this world. Mm -hmm. We can do it with love. We can do it with positivity and we can still be kind of badass about it. Like even looking at you, um, obviously like you, you naturally kind of look like a badass (laughs) and it's, and it's funny because like when I, when I met you, I was just like, damn, like she has the coolest hair. Like I wish I had a shaved head. Like that's so (laughs) awesome. I don't have a head for it like sorry your ears are too big Sarah um and you have like these tattoos and like you're just so rad but there's some truth behind that too Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't actually know like can you speak into that and like some of like your physical transformation and like this other layer of things like on top of all the other things and you remaking your life like again, kind of bitch and you again. in the heels, I know, I know. right? So yeah, that's the other detail in all of this, right? Is that, and I, I hear that so often that like people will tell me that I look really fierce and soft. Oh yeah. Right. And it's so funny because I am, I'm such a Because you're smiling, but you have yeah. your head shaved and it looks like, it's like, oh damn it. Like and, I don't even know what to make of it. You know, it's so funny because people will stop me and be like, oh, like congratulations. I wish I had the confidence to shave my head. I was like, well, I had breast cancer. Yeah. And so like confidence be damned. It was happening. Yeah. So, so about a year ago, it was actually just before Mom 2 California. I really? Was, yeah. Okay. I never went to the Mom 2. Was, this is my first year yeah. going. So yeah, I've never been before. So I never went to the California one. It will, California, any excuse to go then. to California, just take true. it. True. True. <laughs> just true. jump true. on the plane. I was at a cabin just before I, I like went to a cabin for a weekend and then I was going to go to California. And uh, I remember I love, love, love my breasts. And so I was like walking. Me too. I'm glad you said <laughs> that. I like feel them. myself up every yeah, night. Totally. So I was walking around the cabin just like holding on to my boobs. And I had that like color draining experience because I found a lump in my left breast. Can you, okay, this is me being a little bit selfish here, but can you explain what the lump actually feels like? Because I'm so... I shouldn't say I'm scared. I am scared. Um, it's it's such a weird experience because it happens to me all the time and yeah. then I'll freak out and I'll make Shane feel and all the stuff and then it ends up being nothing because I don't think that they really talk enough about like I what agree. it should feel like. Yeah. And I do think that experience Because you must have noticed different. like oh, right away. It was, it, so it, it, it was, was noticeable. It was unmistakable. Okay. But mine was like right under the nipple like okay right okay I'm just gonna be super real about that no 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 that's fine um, I've already (laughs) I've already um interviewed on the podcast Shaughnessy who does like reconstructive nipples I think I said nipple like 35 times in that (laughs) podcast episode because I have like a slight boob obsession so like even talking to her I was like we just kept dropping all like the nipples and tits and boobs so it's fine everyone (laughs) by this point we're we're fine 
So yeah, I'm holding it and I just, I felt like I would say subcutaneous, like just beneath the skin. I could feel this lump and I guess it kind of felt, you probably have felt it on your dog before. I felt like a lump like of a, fat. Okay. It wasn't hard. It was kind of rubbery feeling. Oh, okay. If you can imagine Small, that. big, like quarter size. Uh, Cause I've heard like say, pea size is like, I was going to say a very large pea, like a fresh Ontario summer pea. That size, <laughs> <laughs> to be very specific. <laughs> You will never look I, at peas the I same way. I'm to sorry. I laugh about this as the point, but it's I can't. True. If you want specifics, I can give them to you. And there it Fresh is. Fresh Ontario <laughs> summer pea. But I had that moment where I was like, no, this are like, are you kidding me? This is not my story. This yeah. is not my story. This like, is not my experience. Not. I am not the like, girl block, who gets cancer. Delete, no thanks. Completely. Um, <clears throat> And of course it happens on Friday night. Yeah, like I'm sure you've experienced with your kids too, that whenever my kids get hurt, it's on Friday night. There's like, everything's closed. There's the doctors totally. are totally shut down. You got to yep. wait 72 hours. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, so my bright and early Monday morning, I drove to my doctor's office. I could barely speak. I went up to the wicket and I, co I couldn't even say the words. I like had to kind of whisper shout. I found a lump and uh, the uh, receptionist looked at me and she was like, oh my God come in right now and it was great my doctor saw me right away oh, I'm so glad right when they away. take you seriously I know, I know it, it feels panicky but at the same time you're just like thank you well and I'm an advocate for myself yeah. hardcore and so yeah. I think there is something I communicate that like I'm gonna get seen today yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get gonna seen gonna right now yeah um in a graceful way but like there was there was no question that was fear talking through me right yeah so she examined me no problem she sends me over she found a second lump she sent okay. me over to the breast clinic right away and they saw me immediately we mammogrammed ultrasound it was great and the report back was don't worry this is you're so young you're so healthy this is probably nothing Go to California, have fun, see you in three months just for a, a checkup, but you, you really have nothing to worry about. And I was like, see, I did it. This is not my story. Three months later, go back, do another exam, another mammogram, another ultrasound. He was like, okay, so they're a lot bigger than they were three months ago. Oh, gosh. But you're young, you're healthy. I'm 99% sure you have nothing to worry about. And I was like, wicked. I'm fine then. And this is a breast clinic, so yeah, like they you know, know what they're doing. Yeah, totally. So um, he's like, I'm going to do a biopsy just in case. So a little needle, they put a needle in. Yep. It's really uncomfortable, but um, really worth it. Um, they take some skin out and they analyze it at the lab. So once again, I'm at a cabin, this time with my aunts and uncles. My kids are with their dad. And I get a phone call from a doctor covering for my GP. And she was like, listen, I've just read your lab report, so your, your pathology report. And I need to tell you, don't worry, this isn't cancer, but it is precancerous. So it's going to have to come out. I was yeah. like, already, I was like, what? So they told me I, was, I would need a lumpectomy. And I was devastated because that would mean I, I was going to miss, like, I would lose a third of my breast. Oh, And wow. I had perfect tits. So I was like, damn it. Damn. I'm not down with that. But, um, oh, well, it's not cancer, right? So I can start to wrap my head around that. Right. So then I go in to see my surgeon and we're doing the consult. And he's like, how are you doing with that, like, head tilt empathy? Right. And, um, I was like, I'm great. I don't have cancer. I feel amazing. And he's like, oh, no. And he kind of crumpled. He was like, nobody told you. And I was like, what, what? is happening? He's like, it is cancer. It is aggressive. It was no longer precancerous. Yeah. It's yeah. cancer. They, and they, it's read aggressive. The, they misread the pathology report. She didn't oh, read all three pages. She read the first one. My gosh. So he was like, it, you do have breast cancer. It is aggressive. You will need chemotherapy. And you will probably need either radiation or a, a mastectomy. 
So that's like a lot of detail because I think it sets the context for, I'm going to toot my own horn for the shit that I've been through. So yes, in yeah. the past 12 Fuck months. Yeah. I, sorry. I, I'm yeah. still never decided if I'm going to swear on this podcast or oh, not, but like, no, we're doing it. Okay. No, we've, I've definitely already done it. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. But at the beginning I was like, I, I don't think I cannot. Yeah. Because there's like things like that where it's just like, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah, seriously. exactly. So yes, and you know, to catch us up to speed today, I had eight rounds of aggressive chemo. Eight. And, yes. Yeah, it took four Holy. months. Um, lost my hair, and I had a choice between doing uh, radiation or mm-hmm. having an elective double mastectomy. And so okay. May 1st, wh- May 1st was actually the day that I found the lump in the first place. And on May 1st, 2019, I had my breast removed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, like, why this is important for it's, us. I have to stop you, because yeah. this is crazy. That's like six weeks ago. Yeah. And you sit right? here, I and know. you tell this story, and like... You you loved your boobs and yeah. now they're gone and that's like that's got to be a lot but you're just sitting here and you have like I don't know there's there you're radiating like life right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. I and I love that and I also like know that this is like such a um a, a hard point for so many mm-hmm. it's like this loss and this grief mm-hmm. and you've journeyed through that mm-hmm. how have the last like freaking six weeks been for you? That's the thing is that they've been really easy and I don't want to sound like a jerk when I say that it's that that. I, and you know, anytime you are going through grief, the grief is so real. It is so real and it's so powerful and it's visceral. It's a visceral feeling in your body, but how you respond to everything is always your choice. Mm -hmm. And so me being a mindset coach really came in handy for living with cancer I know, cancer you're like, if imposter year. syndrome exists, like, this is the time to find out if I'm a full-on fake. Like, and I kept thinking, I was like, is this just a joke? Like, is this oh some kind of gosh. cosmic joke designed to teach me if I'm good at coaching or if I'm not? I'll tell you I'm very good at coaching because, yes, like, I did this. Seriously. I had an amazing support network, and I had an incredible state of mind. My family was amazing. My children were amazing. My yes. friends were so yes. supportive. All of that, like, 100% contributed to the success. Right. But all of the work was the emotional, uh, it was the emotional work and it all happened before chemo and then before the surgery. Right. So in terms of like energetically, by the time I went under the knife to have my breasts removed, the work was done. I was already so at peace with everything that happened that it was just a formality that I had to go through surgery. And the same thing happened with chemo. So although I was like, terrified and I was like I'm not doing chemo I'm gonna treat this with vitamin c and green tea and turmeric and then my doctors were like no you're not not. my uncle is a physician and I went to him and I was like I I just need you to tell me what to do I am single I don't I feel like I don't have anybody to bounce this off I need you to set me straight as a physician he looked at me and he was like you are doing this he said countless women have done this before you and they have been nowhere near as strong as you and they've come through okay and he looked at me dead in the eye he's like you're doing this and you're going to be a better person for it oh it's so cool yeah and so that too I was like I was so at peace with it that going through chemo ended up being like oh I just have to do this like I just have to sit here I wrote a book proposal like I wrote like did you really oh my god I was like I'm not gonna sit around for five hours a week and not do anything so I'm gonna bring my laptop I'm gonna write my book proposal and I submit it to the agent who turned it down let's be honest about that just I've heard that happens a lot a lot there's (laughs) book agents out there please or if you have a friend that is you need to meet this girl you need to read her book I need to read your book 
the important thing is that I, I wrote the proposal and I submit it yeah. from the waiting room yeah. of the hospital yeah. my last day of treatment. So were you able to work still during, like, I, I don't mm-hmm. even know. I feel so dumb when I ask these questions, but like, I literally don't even know what it's like to go through chemo. Nobody knows and I until think you that, do it. No, of course. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, does your life just pause or were you still going? Like, cause again, like you are now a single mom of yeah. three, you're, you've got cancer, you're self-employed. Like this, yeah. this sounds like a catastrophe. Yeah. And it's like so a funny. really bad sitcom almost. I know. I will. When I was a kid, I remember like, I guess when I was a teenager, I used to honestly pull back curtains and look for Woody Allen in a film crew. Cause I was like, what is happening? Cannot be my life. Like this must be a Truman show style like piece it, you that would they're filming. Have to laugh <laughs> totally. At that point. Like, Oh my totally. gosh. So it sounds like a recipe for disaster. And again, I feel like an asshat saying this, but I was so secure in my peace of mind mm-hmm. and I was so supported by the, the people that are in my life that the reality for all of us was that this works out really well. Yeah. There was no room and everybody around me knew it. And even if they thought it, they knew not to say it. Yeah. There, there was, was no room. not a shadow of doubt that something would go wrong. It was like, no, this is like, all we have to do is get through it. It's a year. You can do a year. You can do a year. <clears throat> and it, that made it so easy and I you know I did I went to an energy worker she helped me clear off a lot of subconscious stuff and just like energetic level stuff I worked with her um as I said really supportive uh network I am self-employed so that did allow me to create a lot of um freedom in terms of which clients I took on or did not take on my freelance clients were really forgiving and really understanding that I could you know kind of batch create content for them in a few days and then take a few days off they were really flexible and understanding so what sounds like a perfect storm to be a disaster was also kind of a perfect storm for it to work out oh that's such a good that's such a good point and you know you talk about you that you had this headspace and you had this confidence and you had this support system but like what did that look like like what did that really mean like what were the things because I think that there's probably a lot of people that might be listening that haven't really gone through it or they have gone through it and that's not been their experience and not to say that that was wrong either like Mm -hmm. everybody's experience is so valid however if we could if we could say something to those who might not get there yeah. and how, like, how did you instill this confidence to get mm-hmm. through something so incredibly, like, I'm going to use the word catastrophic again, mm-hmm. because that's what it tried to do to mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you move through that? So again, what I refer to as emotional alchemy, I think is the best way of describing it because I, I don't was even like, know what the word alchemy, alchemy means. is when it's like this old, in, I have like alchemical <laughs> symbols on my wrist, but, um, it was this process of turning these dark, substances like lead into gold and like like how coal turns into diamonds exactly yeah but um, a much deeper process if you've never read the book the alchemist by paulo coelho i've just like seen some of his quotes on you got to read this book and it'll inform you what alchemy is but it is it's this process of taking something awful and turning it into something beautiful okay okay so i do that with emotions Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so is that like an ongoing process for you? I imagine mm-hmm. that you probably did a lot of that through your childhood trauma mm-hmm. and then coming into like even basics of like being a mom 100%. and like your body changing and like divorce. Yes. And was this like an ongoing thing or has this been something that you've developed over the last few years of life? The I think I've always done it. I think there's yeah. a natural resiliency that I possess that has allowed me not to become a drug addict, for example, yeah, right? I, is that yeah. I never had to yeah. go there because I do have this like inner strength. Yeah. Um, that I think I was born with. And yeah. I think that that has been. But now you teach. It, uh, totally, totally, yeah, totally. Because I like, think what some are born with it and yes. some can teach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was going to say, so using that 
process as like a framework for how I quote unquote did this, here's what it meant. It meant that I believed in myself without question. It meant that I was, and I did this with kids too, I was very, very specific about knowing who I would trust. So when it was, when I was pregnant, I trusted my midwife and I only mm-hmm. listened to her and anybody mm-hmm. else who even said anything, I would just kind of swipe it away. I wish I was like that. And so then for the yeah. whole cancer and chemo uh, experience, I trusted, as I said, my uncle who yeah. was a physician yeah. and implicitly, and that gave me the confidence to trust my team. I was still an advocate for myself and was really good about following up or asking for questions when I didn't understand, mm-hmm. but I didn't even entertain the idea of like, well, what if it goes wrong? I was like, it doesn't, it just goes no, right. that's not what we're doing here. So yeah. unwavering confidence in myself and in my support team. Um, another thing, I knew, I, I know how to ask for help and I know how to ask for the right kind of help. So as an example, um, there was a group of parents at my school who immediately when they found out, I, again, the small town life, they knew right away that what was going to happen, that I was going to go through chemo. And they contacted the VP who reached out to me and she was like, they're raising some money. What can we do? What will support you? And immediately I was like, oh man, food, like, please just please. give us food. Yeah. And I hung up the phone. I was like, what the hell did I just do? I do not want a group of strangers coming to my door and dropping off food and me having to be grateful because I would be grateful for it. But at the same time, That's, I won't be all resented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called her back and I was like, you know, what would actually be really helpful not cooking but could they just pool their money and, and hire a, a guy to come and shovel my sidewalk and my driveway oh wow caban yeah. That made my life so easy. It gave them purpose and gave them meaning and it made them feel like they were really impacting my life and my yeah. kids' lives because they were in this incredible way that took so much relief and stress off my plate because I just didn't have to worry about it, nor would I have physically been able to do it, yes. you know? Um, so that was great. So asking for that kind of a help in a way that was unique to me, I just wasn't afraid to ask for it. And when you right. when you are, when you have the courage to ask for what you want, it is amazing. You start yeah. to get what you want. Um And thirdly, you know, another part of my support system was that I have two amazing, I have an amazing family, but I have two amazing aunts. And every time I would, I would leave an appointment, first thing I did was sit in the car, call my aunt, have a giant cry. She would talk me through it. Um, Another one of my aunts would come um, to be with me after chemo. She was offering to come with me for chemo. But as I said, I didn't want anybody there. I wanted to use that time for me and to write my proposal. Um, So then she would come and pick me up and she would just take care of me for the weekend. Now, when you want to talk about a silver lining, I hate it when I don't have my kids for the weekend. Like when they're with their dad, I'm happy they're with their dad, but I hate it obviously that they're not with me. Yeah, the house is too quiet. It's weird. You're always like, oh, I want a minute to myself. And then you get it and you're just like, this sucks. Three days is too much. It's too much. But we timed it so that I had treatment just before they went to their dad's house. So smart. So I would go to treatment on Thursday. We'd go to pick up the girls from school on Thursday afternoon. I was really adamant that their life stay normal. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would pick them up. We call it fake Friday. So we'd like make popcorn, order pizza, (laughs) watch a movie, and pretend it was Friday night. Friday, drop them off at school. They'd go to their dad's for the weekend. And then I had three days to sit on my couch while my aunt cooked for me. She cleaned the house. She took care of my house. She just was, and she didn't even, you know, when somebody comes to take care of you and they want to talk, she knew when I didn't even want to talk. Like she oh, just, that's right? So good. It was amazing. And so then instead, what I used that time for, because I am an entrepreneur at my core, I pitched publications. I, you know, got on more podcasts. Like I used that time so creatively because I was just sitting on my couch that it became, I actually gained, again, I feel like a 
dick saying this, but I gained so much momentum in my career. That's not a dick thing because to I say. Had so I much mean, time. you literally had cancer and divorce <laughs> and all this shit that came after you. Something's got to give. Yeah. You've got to grow somewhere. Yeah. But like, it's funny because we we said before this, like, cancer is not your story. It That's is right. like a it is a pillar of it. It yeah. is a piece of it. But um, it has done some major refining for you. Yes. Yes. What ha- speak especially because I know a lot of people who listen come on to this space um, or have come to find me because of just yes. like this messaging of like loving your body and you had to go through like cutting your body. Yes. Yes. And so that's I'm shivering again because this to me is the take home message. Like I told yes. you that cancer really informed my experience, mm-hmm. but by no means cancer for me felt like a chapter in my life. Period. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like you needed to, I needed that chapter to have the next chapter of my life make sense. 100%. Right. And so what it did for me was I used to have this beautiful, long, blonde, like be naturally wavy hair. I, I had like killer hair and oh, double I'm D so boobs. Glad I, I would <laughs> probably be mad at you. So I like just as I'm mad at you about your nicely shaped head (laughs) and your baldness. Ugh. So the thought of losing my hair really was compounded for me because I am a single woman. Yes. For the right, this is another little mindset hack Mm -hmm. for anybody listening. I actually don't consider myself single. I consider myself a wife who just hasn't met her husband yet. Right. And that's like a very simple shift in thinking. So cool. But really empowering. Yeah. Nonetheless, I currently am not partnered, and I was like, oh my god. I'm going to lose my hair. And when I got really clear, I was terrified. Like I was really like crying and had so much anxiety and I felt like I was being robbed and I felt like my femininity was coming into question yes. and my identity. Cause I was, I had this wild woman hair and I was like, Oh my God, my hair is like a total part of my personality. No, yes. it's not. Yeah. It's not like yeah. when you break it down, right. it absolutely is not the fear for me when I got real, when I let myself get really quiet and listen to what I was really saying inside the fear was that, Lise, you couldn't land a man when you were 5'9 with big boobs and blonde hair. How the hell are you going to find love when you were bald and breastless? And when I, like, oh. right? Like, I struggled. This is, again, me sounding like a total flake. But when I struggled with, like, my sexuality and yeah. attractiveness, taking my extensions out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, taking extensions out, I still mostly have them in. Like, I have shorter hair now. But when yeah. I went from long hair, there was something in me that kept telling me that, yeah. like, I couldn't have short hair yes. and still be something attractive. Yes. There was a fear there. And, and I don't know where in the society timeline it happened that way, but you speaking to that and like in, again, so poignantly, like it's, it's so awakening yes. how much even our hair totally can hold us. And so, you know, it was really interesting to me because the hair was the first step, right? Cause I, and I went through these like total mental blocks. I was like, okay, now, I can did lose. Did you choose to shave it or did yes. you? Okay. So well, you, and that was part of that my, power. yes, because for me it was really important to make yes. this experience my yeah. very own. And so I was like, okay, I don't have any control over what's happened in my body, yeah. but I do have control of how I react to it. Right. That is my choice. Yes. So I was like, well, we're going to have a head shaving party and it's going to be a great party. My very close friends will be there. I actually uninvited people because I was like, I can't handle that many people. So that's another great example of asking for what you want. I was like, I'm sorry I invited you and I can't handle 40 people in my house. So you can't come. And um, But my kids' close friends were there. My close friends were there. One of my kids' teachers came so that she could be like further support at school for my my eldest daughter. And um, I shaved my head, had lots of snacks. And my, my thinking was that 
even if this is a terrible experience, at least for my kids, it will have been a really happy experience because yes. we had snacks and friends. Because okay. kids, as much as we don't want to admit it, they have this like weird identity. Like again, going Absolutely. back to like cutting my hair, my son was so upset about it. Yeah. He didn't want me to cut my hair. It, it, it was so important to him that I stayed this certain yeah. way. And I never really dove into why he felt that. And obviously he was fine. It was still mom afterwards. Yeah. But kids have this like weird thing around their parents changing. Yes. It's like a fear-based thing. Completely. So the fact that you empowered that moment to make it a joyful event that yeah. they were involved in is so cool and it was amazing never would have thought of that and well that's where this Montessori background comes in right yeah. that I had like this great wealth of resources at my fingertips yeah but um shaved my head turns out I have a nice shaped head this is a thing yeah I know and, and it, it looks really it's good. a thing so that was like training you can wear wheels. really cool earrings now. yeah yeah I don't actually well I'm gonna come to that because okay. Anyway, I was going to say that was training wheels for me going through the process of losing my breasts because then when a few months mm -hmm. later I found out that I was going to, you know, have no boobs, that was another major thing. So initially I was like, I'm going to get implants. Of course, I'm going to mm -hmm. have reconstruction because mm -hmm. who would I be without my breasts? And I remember having a conversation with a really good friend of mine who sat me down and I had actually another way I asked for help. I couldn't do any research of this because I didn't want to see something I couldn't unsee. Yeah. So I tasked her with doing the research and she came to me one day and she was like, you can't do reconstruction. It is so dangerous. A third of all women who get implants are getting breast implant illness and it's only now coming to light how dangerous it really is. I'm begging you as your friend not to do this. And I was like, okay. Ooh, that's so hard because I would 100% be like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the reconstruction. Yeah. And so that conversation was like, Oh, oh my God, I'm really losing my breast with yeah. no illusion yeah. of anything. And oh my God. Yeah. And I had a further conversation with somebody else and she was like, oh, a friend of mine had reconstruction. It was great. All they had to do was, you know, they had a big cut across her abdomen. They took out fat and muscle and they put that in her boobs. So it's amazing. All, the, all she has now is a big scar across her belly. And I remember thinking... Wah, bah, 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 bah. why is it okay for me as a woman to have a big scar across, across my, my belly, belly but heaven forbid I have a big scar across my chest eight inches north and then all of a sudden it's not okay and so there was like a thread of this just became a feminist issue for me and I'm actually not going to be a part of a world that tells me I, ha I have to alter my body in a way I know is unhealthy in a way yeah. I know is for other people's comfort not for mine you know choosing to go flat for yeah, me yeah it's so true because I think for a lot of people like if they choose it like I 100% support them because I think that we always have that authority over our bodies yes but it should not be something that is induced by I want to be accepted that's right and that is that's not a pressure people say that they feel pressure from the physicians yes. ultimately the pressure comes from you that I oh, need to sure. do this and again called my uncle I was like set me straight here because I can't make a decision and we had actually two of my uncles and I because you know your girlfriends or the women in your family can tell yeah. you things that are lovely and about yes. you they love you I felt for me like it was talking to these two alpha men in my family and I was <laughs> like you I'm sorry if this is creepy, but you got to tell me I am terrified that I will not find a partner if I don't have breasts. And both of them, again, without question, these like super alpha dudes were like, Lise, if you imagine yourself meeting somebody at a party and he's, he loves your personality and your sense of humor and he meets your kids and they're fantastic. Who's going to say that they don't love you because you don't have breasts. They were like, that just is not a reality. Yeah, that's not. And so hearing and that. And it's not somebody back, you'd want. It, 
honestly. I know it's like always like that catch all. We want that acceptance. That yeah. initial attraction is kind of like a key factor. Yeah. But I would say like it's so funny when you flip it around the other way. Like men don't really share in this experience. Yeah. We don't really see those intimate parts of them mm-hmm. extrovertedly. Yeah. So we don't have that opportunity to judge them and put that That's on right. them. And most times men win us over because they're freaking hilarious. It, yep. Or they've got like a killer personality. They like, make you feel safe. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like mm-hmm. these core pieces. Like I do love a good beard. So yes, like I'll, so do I. It's I'm fine. I'm just, it's a problem. It's a thing. Um, but like that, it's such an external, like everything else is like not, I would, yeah. you know what, if my husband like lost his beard or like if he didn't have genitalia, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that about him and meeting yeah. him. I would know that he was a kind human exactly, and that he was made me laugh. Like those are the memory factors. Yes. Everything else is kind of like, I don't know, like so superficial to the point that it actually doesn't matter past like those people, I think at the end of the day and the core value being that if they get stuck on that initial Mm -hmm. thing, then that's something that they've got to work through, not something that you have to work through for them. That's right. So that whole experience was really enlightening because it, it forced me, I've done so much work, so much mental work, um, but it really forced me to confront that dark, dark fear, right? And that dark, dark fear, it was like this part of me, this subconscious part was looking for confirmation that I would never be loved. And so it was only going through the experience of losing my hair and particularly my breasts that was like, you know what? I am actually incredibly lovable. And there is yeah. no question in my mind that I am a person who and is no worthy of love. it's no longer these things. It's no longer my boobs. That's it's no right. longer my hair. Like it's me. And if you see this little tattoo, this one on my upper arm as a little yes. girl wearing a wolf mask oh my this whole process has been unmasking and you know you touched on it too talking about your extensions coming out yeah we unwittingly put on all of these masks that we hide behind we don't even know that we're doing it yeah. it's not like I was consciously hiding behind amazing hair and like luscious tits but when I walked in, when I now walk into a party or an event or what, like an influencer, try going to an influencer event when you're bald and flat. It's like you are confident or you're not. Turns out I'm 100%. confident. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But yes, you yes, know, yes. suddenly for me showing up, I'm like, well, here I am. And either I am comfortable with it or I am not comfortable with it. And very, I remember very soon after my surgery, my hair had not started growing back yet. So I yeah. was like really bald and really flat. And my aunt and I went out for like burgers or something. And after we got home, I looked at her and I was like, I was just flirting like I've never flirted before with kind of all of the men around me. And we had this good laugh about it because I was like, I'm bald. I have no tits. And suddenly I'm a flirt. Suddenly I've I've arrived. (laughs) Like this is actually, this is self-acceptance. And it's so funny that you say that because like I obviously can't experience what you've experienced to the same regard. But it's funny now, like going back when I first had extensions, I took them out it made me really self-conscious and Mm -hmm. then I got them back in and then I took them out this time and then I had confidence that now I'm like if I get them again Mm -hmm. it's no longer like I understand now that it is not my worth or like how I'm identified like even now like you now your hair is growing back Mm -hmm. it's still very very short but Mm -hmm. you now have this choice like you could grow it long but it won't make you feel yeah like a different person like it did before well and even when we talk about the physical features now it's so funny. You know, remember when we were kids growing up, people would be like, your eyes are the window to your soul. Um, I lived in a very dramatic place. but <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But now I'm so aware of that. And I'm yeah. like, I have beautiful eyes. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's, we oh, connect yeah. through our eyes. Yeah. And so it's like, 
throw a little bit of eyeliner on there and suddenly I feel I feel so much more beautiful and so much more confident in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I only got there because of this massive physical loss. And to me, that is like, I want to jump on, not off of, onto the tallest building and just shout this out because anybody can do this. Yeah. This is not an experience that's unique to me. I feel like there's going to be like a hundred women that listen to this and they're like, I'm shaving my head. <laughs> Seriously. This is our influences today. No, but it's, it's so real because like it, we, we exist in these bodies and we have this skin and mm-hmm. we go through change and we can't, I, it is so remarkable yeah. what change can do and how it can shake us or yeah. shape us. And I've had so many body transformations over the last few years, but gaining weight was like a really um, eye-opening experience mm-hmm. for me because I finally got to fight for myself. Yeah. I finally got to fight for who I was and where my worth lies mm-hmm. and knowing that it wasn't in my waist size anymore and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be held down by this status and by this standard. And, you know, even as simple as like, formerly I couldn't even like step out of the house without makeup. Mm-hmm. I was rarely online without like this very curated type mm-hmm. of look. And I'm like, isn't it funny that through these changes and through these transformations, it has not been a perfecting mm-hmm. of my body. It's been a cleansing of my mind. Yes. And it's one of my favorite expressions that I use like relentlessly is it's that simple and it's that complicated, right? Yes, That's it. It's a cleansing of your mind. Once you get very, very, very clear in your mind as to what matters. Once you're woke. (laughs) For real. For real. (laughs) Once you get to that point, you can't go back to where you came from. Yeah. And you have never been more beautiful in your life. I'm sure you've you've never felt more beautiful in your life. I've never felt more beautiful in my life. I have no idea what I weigh. I totally had to go up pant size recently. I didn't even care. Like it didn't shake me. So many of these like little things because I've so, I've I've cleansed myself from diet culture. I've cleansed myself from all of these things. I still wear makeup. I still love doing my hair. I still love cute outfits. Because it's for you. Because that's for me. It's so weird. Like taking it back. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, it's so incredibly freeing. Mm -hmm. And to be... I would also say being in a relationship with somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't use my physical appearance as like, I, it always used to frustrate me because yeah. I used to work so hard to look so yeah. good. And, and I will say like for him, mm-hmm. and then I would take it all off and be like sick on the couch mm-hmm. and like sweats. And he'd be like, you have never been more beautiful. And I'd be like, screw that. Yeah. Like, no, I try so hard yeah. for you. Yeah. And like, you're not seeing it, but somebody who cut through the bullshit for me yeah. and with me. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't say, I, I shouldn't say that he, created that mental thought for me but it was very well supported as I came into it for Mm -hmm. myself and now I understand like I have so few male followers but Mm -hmm. like every single time I have them I'm like thank you for (laughs) being the type of people that speak into women this way Mm -hmm. and and free them as you have always been freed like men also deal with body negativity and they deal with shame and but never to the same degree well I was, I have so much to say about this that you tell me if we're running short on time. Cause I no, feel like I'm like, no, we're, okay. we're good. We still have 10 minutes. Okay. So a couple of things that you just said, um, one women's bodies are designed to change. Yes. And that has been a message that got bought out by somebody else to make us think that we're never supposed to change. Yeah. So that's like cellulite is just skin. And it happens to everybody. It's not like, oh, I'm the only one who has, no, everybody has everybody. cellulite it's because like, that's what stats. our skin it's looks like, like. It's like literally they have them as toddlers. Like, like it's, it's not it's even so a thing, but normal. it became a thing so that somebody could tell you that 
you had it, but I can sell you a solution for it, right? That's ingrained into us. But when you think, you know, we start as these like babies and little girls and your body changes as a teenager. And then you go through the second puberty that nobody talks about in your 20s. And then you get pregnant. And then your body changes after pregnancy. And as we get older, our bodies are continuously evolving. And that's how it's supposed to happen. And it's kind of dumb to think it's going to be static, that it's never going to change. We're supposed to change. Yes. So that's one thing. For men, the really, really interesting thing to me is that, you know, women, it's like, get back to your pre-baby body and like, just get a flat tummy, do this, get a bikini body, put on whatever, do your, I don't pay attention to this stuff. So I'm like paraphrasing Mm -hmm. for men. Do you know what men did? They owned dad bod. They're like, you know what, whatever. I'm already fat. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to brand it as dad bod. I'm like, well, slow clap guys. Way to go. Women are killing them. Like sometimes literally go to the pharmacy or like the drugstore. There is like the tiniest section of men's care. Yes. And there is like three aisles for women. Like, because like literally it's, it was like a joke meme at one point, but it was like women have like 20 different products. Like there's like elbow moisturizer. Like that's not really a thing, but like it's there. That's, it is, like that, I know, how much how, I know. how many things there are and then men have like this deodorant shampoo conditioner like <laughs> body wash mouthwash like know, toothpaste all in one one bottle two ninety nine. I know we're marketed to we're marketed yes. to feel bad for ourselves and you know again the mindset coach in me is like but it is your choice whether it or not you pay attention because it's really yeah. easy for us to be like it's the media yeah, it is but it is. how do you, how are you responding to it and how are you what are you letting into your life of course and there's parts of it that I'm like I've had such a hard time with especially with things like makeup because I was like if I love myself to the core of who I yeah. am like I shouldn't care about this stuff right? why do I care but then there was something at some point that I had to like release myself from the shame mm-hmm. of caring because I like it yeah, and I same. don't know why and I'm not going to answer matters. into why. Yeah. I'm like, this is my almost my favorite part of the day to yeah. wake up and do my makeup. It's so fun for me. I don't I don't even care how stupid it is. It makes me happy and I like it. I completely agree with you. And when you're doing it for, for you, you. Yeah, I don't want somebody to take that away from no. me. And it's funny and how you don't like, have to choose between totally, that, right? Totally, totally. It's so funny because I think that gets so mixed message on like, yeah. it becomes like this. In order to be body positive, you have to stop doing everything and own you yourself exactly as you are. Yeah. And it's like, no, you just need to own your choice about it exactly you just need to own whatever it is that you want to do and whatever makes you happy like girl love me a good spray tan I love all these like stupid (laughs) ass things that mean I know mean nothing but for whatever reason make me a little bit happy and and I enjoy filled like a slushy would yeah (laughs) but that's how insignificant (laughs) they are do you know what I mean like that's how insignificant it's important to you though it's important to you and you know I love to talk about this balance we each have of masculine and feminine energies because the energy Mm, is the is the real important thing here yeah feminine energy is very nourishing it Mm -hmm. is very ritual oriented Mm -hmm. it is that slow pace and if you want to talk about makeup the act of putting on makeup and kind of layering it on to create something beautiful creation ritual attention nurture that's all fueling your feminine side. So, so true. You know, the, the I think what matters behind anything we do is the intention. If the mm-hmm. intention is to get up and really put on makeup because I love doing it and I love the way it makes me feel, mm-hmm. then you have to do that. Yeah. If the intention is, well, I better put this on because if I don't, people will judge. It's like, okay, so that's not the right reason at all. And I would invite you to start looking inside. It's like, why are you making those choices and why do you feel like you need to make those choices? But anything 100%. you're doing fueled by like, I do this because it brings me joy and I feel like a boss doing it. I feel like a babe doing Mm -hmm, it. You mm -hmm. must do that. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Like 
you're a public, you must be a public speaker. Yes. Do you do that? Okay. <laughs> yes. I was going to say like, everybody needs to hire you. You're so well-spoken. <laughs> you. Did you take courses in that? No, I grew up with really, really, really cerebral father and it just, wow. It's in me. <laughs> okay. One quick question I have before we like close off. Yes. Um, what's second puberty? Oh, uh, did you, you you blew past it? And I was like, hold on. Did you I'm, not find, I thought every woman I know has I gone through, we that. go through puberty when we're like, what, 13 or so-ish? Yeah. And then in your 20s, I don't know, suddenly in my 20s, I got hips, I got boobs, like I'd never had hips and boobs before. Oh, so I had, I was pregnant at 20. Ah, so right. So I probably had my second puberty with children. Right. My hips got big because they got wide yes. childbear. Yes. Oh, I thought it was like a maturity thing because I was like, I was, I definitely know that like the twenties were the years that like shifted, like yes. my mental shift like happened. Yeah. But I was like, what the hell? Is That's I really young for that to happen because <laughs> in like the grand scheme of human development, yeah. you're actually still a teenager until you're 29. We've we are really? our world has changed so much that adolescence really does run until you're 20. Oh, isn't that such a relief? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm like still just like a little bit of a baby. <laughs> exactly. That's why everything's just coming together now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Lise, I love you so, so much. Tell us all exactly where we should be finding you. Veda's even sad this is ending. No. Here. She's crying in the background. Um, tell us where we can find you. I want everyone to get to know you and what you exude because I'm just going to say it right now. Like you have even taught me like the most simple steps of like confidence and owning my Thank body you. and owning my life. Like you are such a joy. I just need to say that to you, you. And I hope that others get a chance to get to know you. So let's give them an opportunity to find you. You bet. So my website is leesewilcox.ca. It's L-E-I-S-S-E-W-I-L-C-O-X. I'm on Instagram at Lise Wilcox. Yeah. Basically any social channel, find me at Lise, Lise Wilcox. Wilcox. It's great having a rare name like that. Oh my gosh. Um, fantastic. Yeah. And she's a badass me. bald girl with like <laughs> tattoos and no tits. And she's fantastic. <laughs> But nails. <laughs> but nails. Yeah, gosh, yeah. Thank you so, so much for being here. Um, I will definitely add all your information to the Thank show you. notes as well for anybody who's listening. And yeah, I, I can't wait to carry on this conversation with you <laughs> another too. time as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.